Well, good morning. Christ is risen. Amen. Let's open with prayer. Father, we thank you for this day in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that death couldn't hold him. And thank you that he gives us life. I ask you to open our ears now so that we can hear the wondrous things from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ is risen. I mean, it is resurrection morning and it is glorious. What else can we say about Easter? There's no way to gift wrap it. Gifts aren't necessary. Sentimental cards don't do it justice. Lights strung up on the house or the garage can't brighten its aura. And I've never heard it, but I don't believe there ever was a sound that can compare to the earthquake, earth-shattering sound of the stone rolling back from Jesus' tomb. There's nothing more glorious than Jesus' resurrection. Now, oftentimes, probably more than we should, we use the word celebration. And I think it's an overused, diluted word. But what else can we say about Easter? This word, celebration, fits the day like ham and eggs or biscuits and gravy or a diamond to an engagement ring. And why not celebrate? Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is risen and exalted above all. Philippians 2 and 9 tells us that God has highly exalted Jesus to the highest place and made his name greater than any other name. Today, no shadow of fear can withstand the brilliance of the S-O-N shine. Now, there are those who will say that Jesus wasn't dead, but don't let anyone mislead you. Jesus died. Not only do we have the biblical record, but the historical record is clear. Whether you look at Josephus, uh, the noted uh, Jewish historian, whether you know of the whether you list the report of Caiaphas uh, to the Sanhedrin, um, no matter what historical or biblical record, understand Jesus suffered on the cross and the examiner's evidence of his death was conclusive. Turn with your Bibles to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 30. When Jesus had tasted the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. And so they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. And so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. 
One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. When both blood and water gushed forth from Jesus, that was an indication of a ruptured pericardium, which is the sac that surrounds the heart. And because Jesus had so obviously succumbed already to death, John 19 tells us that the examiner wavered the Roman practice of breaking the legs of crucified prisoners to hasten death. Jesus was dead. Jesus was a corpse taken from the cross and buried in the tomb that was hewn from rock of a... I guess you would call him a silent disciple of Jesus, a fellow by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And Matthew 27 tells us how the tomb was sealed by imperial authority and a Roman guard set to ensure against grave theft. But Jesus didn't just succumb to death. Colossians 2 tells us that in his death, Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led those authorities around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. <laughs> Jesus was not their prisoner they were his. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says that through the death of Jesus, God has freed us from the power of darkness and brought us, one translation said, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. By his death and resurrection, Jesus paid for our sins and in him we have forgiveness. But not, not only was Jesus' death like none other, but so was his resurrection. In John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Turn there, please. You're probably already there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Well, it was still dark. And saw the stone already removed from the entrance of the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And so Peter and the other disciple left, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and arrived at the tomb first. Stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen wrapping, wrappings neatly lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came up following him and went into the tomb, just like Simon, and saw the linen wrappings neatly lying there, and the burial face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And so the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went in too. And he saw the wrappings and the face cloth and believed without any doubt that Jesus 
had risen from the dead. Now I want you to keep that story in mind, but I want you to remember the story when Lazarus was raised from the dead. It's in John chapter 11. You don't need to turn there. Now, think of that story. The entrance to the tomb was sealed by a stone, but it had to be removed. And when Lazarus was called forth, Lazarus had to have his grave clothes, his grave cloth removed. And even though Lazarus was, still, was raised from the dead, Lazarus was still bound by this natural world. Lazarus would one day die again. But not Jesus. When Mary got to the tomb, the stone was already rolled back, was already removed. And unlike Lazarus, who had to be loose from his grave cloths, Peter and John found the grave cloths neatly lying there as if the dead one had stepped out of them into life, as if to say death and this earthly life no longer have a hold on me. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, this is what Peter preached to the crowd at Pentecost when Peter told him, God raised Jesus from the dead and set him free from the pain of death because death could not hold him. And in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, this is what the resurrected Christ told the Apostle John while he was a prisoner on the island of Patmos. Jesus said to John, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Tell you what, anyone who can handle death as effectively as Jesus is more than adequate to conquer anything that assails or besets you and I. As the Son of God and Son of Man, Jesus effectively merges both spheres. Justice had to be, the demands of justice had to be met. But God is love. And love found a way in the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so God's infinite power met humanity's infinite need. And let's be truthful. Even without the coronavirus, these can be some pretty troubling times. And I don't know what doubts and fears may be resident in your life, but I can assure you of this. This crucified Jesus who died and rose again, who God has exalted, who overcame death and hell, this Jesus is Lord over life's fears and doubts. This Jesus is Lord over life's question marks and uncertainties and over life's seasons of confusion and disorientation. This Jesus is Lord over the price of beef. This Jesus is Lord over our crops and over the weather that sometimes tries to destroy them. This resurrected Christ is Lord over this church and our town and our county and our state and our nation. This risen Christ is Lord over where we're going in life 
and all of these piled up clouds of anxiety. And anyone, anyone who can descend into Hades, the place of the dead, and conquer hell and the devil, and then fellowship with Mary Magdalene and have a seaside breakfast with a group of doubting fishermen and, and appear to two disciples who were traveling on the road to Emmaus so that they might know that he was risen and then spring heavenward to be seated at the right hand of God the Father on high. <laughs> well, he has my vote of confidence about handling my problem and and my future, whatever it holds. So how about you this morning? Don't you think maybe he deserves your trust and confidence too? In a few hours, the glorious splendor and celebration of Easter will cease. And tomorrow will enter our lives with its challenges. And for many it will be business as usual. But if you have chosen to trust and have confidence in God and to let Him lead and guide you, tomorrow can now have a new meaning, a new hope, and a better ending, a new and better ending. Because Jesus is risen because he is alive. I love that song that Bill Gaither penned. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds my future. Now life is worth the living just because he lives. This is what Easter is all about. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the risen Lord. And I declare today that Jesus Christ is Lord over Faith Assembly of God and over Circle. Montana and over Macomb County and over the state of Montana. Jesus Christ is Lord over the, by faith over the United States of America. And Jesus, you are Lord of these troubles and clouds that would try to beset and assail us. It sounds so inadequate. But thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.